Hi, my name is Russell Shao of the Global Taiwan Institute, Jamestown Foundation, and Pacific Forum. This is part of a new series on Taiwan with Conversation 6. Hi, my name is Jessica Dren, and I'm here with Russell today. I'm a non-resident fellow with the Project 2049 Institute. And today we'll be uh, having a discussion about Chinese influence operations. Russell, if, if you could start with a brief overview of what Chinese influence operations are and what they entail. Well, thank you, Jess. Um, again, I think this is a term that gets uh, thrown around a lot with very imprecise definitions. And so at the risk of simplifying, um, you know, I define uh, influence operations as all measures, uh, including political, economic, and even military, short of military conflict, aimed at, um, at uh, co-opting and uh, neutralizing adversaries of the Chinese Communist Party with the objective of uh, degrading, distorting, and disrupting uh, the enemy's plans. Uh, and to do so primarily through three means, uh, by shaping perceptions uh, and beliefs, um, and ultimately uh, with the aim to uh, you know, change our behaviors. So that's my definition. And Jessica, I know that this is um, an area that you have done a great deal of research on, particularly uh, as it pertains to um, Taiwan and the social media space. And I think this is a very uh, trailblazing area. So um, maybe you can share some of your research with your, our audience. Sure. Um, so like Russell said, the bulk of my research focused on Chinese disinformation on Taiwan um, with a special focus on um, in social media and through social media platforms. Um, so I looked at the 2018 9-1 elections, so the local elections in Taiwan, and how uh, Chinese users were co-opting Taiwanese social media platforms, especially PPT, which is Taiwan's bulletin board system, um, as well as um, other popular social media platforms, such as Facebook and Line, to send an overall message that the DPP is ill-equipped to govern so as to hurt their candidates running for political office and that the KMT is much better suited to maintain stability and um, supporting Taiwan's interests. But that said, you know, influence operations cover a broad spectrum of, um, cover a broad spectrum and they also include um, a variety of other options for China to co-opt, including local groups such as temples and gangs, buying up media companies um, such as television stations. Um, so, Russell, if yeah, you could no, just, go that's an excellent, over the no, new guidelines point. that were released um, from Beijing, that would be great. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry to, to cut you off there uh, briefly, um, uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, we have traditionally a very siloed view on influence operations, I believe, at least in terms of the public discussion, and they've been primarily centered on propaganda and disinformation. But like you said, you know, I think influence operation covers a, a very wide range of activities and it often gets uh, missed in the overall assessment. And so, like you said, um, you know, there have been a new, um, new issue uh, regulations that have been uh, promulgated by the Chinese Communist Party Central Committee. And this is United Front uh, Work Regulations. And this is really unprecedented. Um, it was only in 2015 when the CCP for the first time issued a trial implementation for this measure, um, you know, that aims at uh, basically um, uh, utilizing different social stratas within uh, society uh, and traditionally more in traditional Chinese society uh, to mobilize uh, and indoctrinate 
uh, and turn against uh, its primary adversary, which was in the past the Nationalist Party. And so, you know, after all these years of of, of, of United Front since the 1920s, they finally issued a trial implementation in 2015 and now issued the full measures. And in this full measure, uh, it, it basically codifies uh, the relationship between the central, provincial, and you know, local authorities uh, for uh, United Front and, um, and has you know, really interesting areas that it covers with regards to targeting overseas Taiwanese compatriots for that matter, uh, or what they call you know, compatriots, and then um, also uh, overseas Chinese work. Um, and so you know, I think this is uh, an, a very uh, interesting development that requires uh, further study, and really it doesn't um, allow for the time that uh, we have currently to discuss these matters. And so, you know, and I think, you know, on your point about, you know, the social media, there's been some really interesting developments there because, you know, we've kind of, you know, um, uh, since the elections have uh, really kind of, sh kind of shifted attention a bit. And, um, and I think there's going to be a lot more for us to look at um, and focus on in the uh, in the year to come. And, and maybe what are some areas that you, you sort of see as, uh, as, as areas that we need to watch, Jessica? Well, one thing that stuck out from your overview of the guidelines is um, the institutionalization of, um, of it being a local initiative. And so I think there might be more efforts to target local politicians in Taiwan. And that's striking because the next election in Taiwan in 2022 will be the 9-1 elections. And, you know, they often serve as a bellwether for what the national elections look like. So that's definitely something that should be on everyone's radar moving forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, even though with the 2020 elections behind us, um, uh, you know, there are many more elections ahead and, uh, and the CCP will not relent on this. So stay tuned.